you're looking to grow from six to seven figures in revenue a year, or seven figures a year in revenue to seven figures a month in your e-commerce business, or if you're feeling like you've plateaued in your e-commerce business, this is the podcast for you. You're listening to the Journey to an Eight-Figure Ecom Business Podcast. My name is Emmanuel Lea, founder and CEO of Alea Systems, where we build systems that build brands online and teach e-commerce founders how to go from six figures a year to six figures a month in 90 days or less. I scaled my first e-commerce business from zero to seven figures in two years and seven to eight figures three years later. Since then, we've created an agency to help others recreate the same success, partnering with over 50 e-commerce businesses as clients. And in just the last year, we've helped 12 of them go from six figures to seven figures and five of them 10x their businesses going from around 30,000 a month in revenue to over 300,000 a month in revenue. And we're just getting started. So let's be clear, this podcast isn't for everyone. This is for folks who already have an idea, they're already selling, but are also not funded. They're using their own cash to grow their own business, bootstrapped. You're trying to have a life while also having a business but feeling the pressure of having to do it all yourself. If these are your struggles, we're here for you and you're going to get the most value from this podcast. In the first couple of podcast episodes, we've been talking about the first phase of the journey, which is from start, first phase of the journey from start to eight figures, what it looks like to go from side hustle to a full-time income with your e-com store. I really stress that the most important component is understanding product market fit and validating that you've achieved it while making sure you have a good product margin. Then we moved into the next couple episodes talking about the second phase of the journey, what it looks like to go from full-time income to hiring a team. And we discussed the beliefs and myths that hold us back, the customer acquisition and supply chain systems we need to scale through this phase, and how to hire a team that will manage those systems so you can be freed up for the next phase of growth to an eight-figure business. In the last two podcast episodes, we started going over this final phase of the journey, going from having a team to seven-figure months. The key to making it through this phase and getting to where you're doing 833000 a month is broken into three sections, your customer acquisition systems, your supply chain systems, and your management team's systems. In episodes eight and nine, we went over those customer acquisition and supply chain systems. And in this specific podcast, we'll finish up by talking about the management systems that you need to have in place to scale your revenue past a million dollars a month. Let's take stock of where you're at. You've achieved product market fit and priced your products for a healthy margin. You passed the point of getting consistent, repeatable sales, which got you to around 10000 to 30000 a month in revenue. And you moved from side hustle to full-time income. You've built a robust supply chain with a solid tech stat, built a customer acquisition pipeline that converts strangers in your target market into buyers of your product. You've avoided the pitfalls and distractions that come from early success when you're finally making enough to quit your job and do this thing full time. Beyond that, you're aware now of and successfully dealing with the myths and negative beliefs that stop you in your tracks, things like perfectionism, imposter syndrome, and shiny object syndrome. You've moved past the point of being a seven-figure business or doing 83K a month or more in revenue, and you've moved on from just having friends and family working for you and helping you out on a part-time basis to actually getting better skilled employees for specific job functions for customer acquisition as well as supply chain. You've got social media people, creative and website folks, paid ads people to help you with marketing and customer service and fulfillment people to help with supply chain. 
You've outsourced the key backend functions as well to help you get out of the weeds of day-to-day administration like accounting, recruiting new contractors and team members, inventory management, and product sourcing. You've built out your customer acquisition systems to gain consistency in your revenue by establishing your traffic formula benchmarks, forecasting your revenue based on those benchmarks, and are measuring your planned revenue and benchmarks versus your actual numbers. And lastly, you've dialed in your supply chain so that your order fulfillment, accounting, customer service, manufacturing, and inventory levels are planned and ready for doing a seven-figure month. So now the question is, what does it look like to do a seven-figure month? Here's something shocking. It looks like whatever you planned it to look like. Shocking, I know. But if you remember in the last two episodes, we talked a lot about plan to actuals and creating your forecast, right? If you remember what I kept saying, it's that you can't hit a seven-figure month if you don't plan to hit a seven-figure month. Because we're inventory-based businesses and we can't sell what we don't have. So if you're doing it right, hitting a seven-figure month shouldn't be a surprise at all. You should basically just be checking off boxes on your plan and making sure your actuals metrics are the same as what you had written down in your planned metrics. Let's review what the plan should look like so you know what the actual should be for you to be tracking. They're split into two halves, customer acquisition metrics and supply chain metrics. And these are the management systems you need to have in place in order to actually achieve a seven-figure month. So for customer acquisition, you want to use the traffic formula. Revenue equals traffic times conversion rate, times average order value, times repeat purchase rate. So when you're planning revenue, obviously we're looking for a $1 million month, right? That's the total for the month. And so on a daily basis, you'd be expecting to hit 33,000 a month in the 33,000 a day, excuse me, in a 30 day month. So you put that at the top of your spreadsheet, solved, right? That's your plan. And as you're doing your actuals every day, if you're not hitting 33 K, you know your plan is off. Or if you're above 33K, then you know you're ahead of plan. Secondly, traffic. The traffic should simply be whatever you normally make per session, right? Just to divide revenue by sessions from a similar month and divide 1 million by that number to get the number of sessions you'll need. Then divide that number of sessions by 30 to get your daily plan. You know you're doing a million dollars a month. Let's say that's, you know, you make a dollar per session. That would be 1 million sessions. Divide that by 30 or number of days in the month, and that would give you your daily plan. So you can keep an eye on that. So for conversion rate, this is where you would take your historicals, right? Take the last year average or take your last 30 days and just plan whatever conversion rate you feel is appropriate. So you have a million sessions coming in. How many of those sessions are going to convert? And then you'll keep an eye on that with your actuals to make sure you're hitting that 2%, 3%, 4%, 5%, whatever it may be. Same thing goes for average order value. Set an expectation for how much you expect to make per order. So if your average order value is 50, then you can plan for 50. And then every day as you're going through, make sure you're hitting that 50. And if you're not, go and see why. Well, maybe the people are ordering lower price products or higher price products, but keep an eye on it. Same thing goes for repeat purchase rate. Uh, Pick a number for repeat purchase rate based on historicals. One note though about repeat purchase rate that's different than AOV or conversion rate where you can just take, take a number it's usually a number that's more accurate with longer time frames, like an entire year or at least a quarter or third, you know, three years if you can. Like you want longer time frames for repeat purchase rate because depending on the time between purchases of your product, you may have like for one of our brands, uh, people buy annually. So if I just take the last 30 days, I would only see one purchase per person, not that second purchase included. 
So instead of seeing, you know, 25% of people order the second time, we'd only see, we'd see 0% of people order the second time if I was only looking at last 90 days up to a year. So you need longer time frames. And it's also safe to assume that people on your email list are going to be driving the repeat purchase rate. And so you can plan a certain percentage of revenue from email and track that on a daily basis with your plan, right? So also do that. So not just the repeat purchase rate, which for the reasons I just gave, the time frames and when people buy, it may not be the most accurate. I also like to keep an eye on revenue from email. A good percentage to plan is 25% to 40%, okay? Uh, so the last thing is also helpful to track uh, keep track of the number of customers, the number of units sold, and the number of orders to help you with your supply chain metrics, which we'll get into in a second, right? So how many customers are you planning on getting? So if you have a million dollars in in revenue is the plan, divide that by the average order value. That's how many customers, or excuse me, how many orders that will be made. And then you can look at a previous month and say, all right, so we had a thousand orders last month. Um, but we only had 900 customers, let's say, because some customers ordered twice in that same period. So keep track of the number of customers. That's helpful. Keep track of the number of units sold. So we've talked about customers. We've talked about orders. But sometimes people order more than one unit, right? And so that AOV may not just be for one unit. It may be for several. So even though you have an order that was an average order value of 50, that order may be three items. So you would also want to keep track of how many units you've been selling. So you can plan for how many units you need to reorder later. And then obviously number of orders is simply how many orders you're selling uh, because that number helps you with shipping and planning your shipping and fulfillment metrics. All right. So your warehouse team knows how many orders per day that 33,000 a day is going to represent. Okay. So let's get into supply chain metrics. So for supply chain metrics, the key area is to have a plan, right? This is where a lot of people get hosed up. The marketing side, to be honest, if you're capable of doing a million in revenue based on how your ads and your marketing efforts are doing and you're capable of hitting a million in revenue, usually what will stop you is your supply chain metrics. So plan these ahead of time. Where do you need a plan? You need plan in fulfillment, customer service, and inventory. These are critical here to track day-to-day during the month. Manufacturing and accounting, those really aren't day-to-day numbers. So plan your manufacturing orders on a monthly basis. Same with your financial statements. You don't need to have those broken down by day. Those can be monthly. But, or even better, have your managers tracking this, right? Because at this point, if you're getting to where you're pushing to an eight-figure business, it shouldn't necessarily be you managing the day-to-day of this or even necessarily building the plans. You can have them pushing these plans to you and you're just checking them and improving them and making sure that they all sync. Okay, so first... On the fulfillment side of things, you want to keep track of how many orders you're getting per day and match that to what your planned capacity is per day to see if your order fulfillment is able to keep up or if you're building a backlog of orders. So two new key terms there, right? Capacity and backlog. Uh, Capacity is simply you should just look at your last week or two weeks, however many units your or orders your warehouse is able to ship. So if you know that last week they were shipping, they shipped 500 orders, that's 100 orders a day, right? And so if you're doing 33K in revenue a day and that represents, you know, 100 orders a day, then you're fine. You have capacity to meet the million dollar a month benchmark or 33K a day benchmark or 100 orders a day benchmark because your fulfillment center has proven they can ship 100 a day. But if 33K a day represents 200 orders a day, then you're going to build a backlog every day you're doing 33K. That means for every day, they'll ship out 100, 
but then there'll still be a hundred orders left over to ship tomorrow morning. Problem with that is at the end of that day, you'll have another, another hundred orders that came, 200 orders that came in from that day. So now the second day, you don't have a hundred order backlog. You have a 300 order backlog and it grows and grows and grows. Right. And if your capacity is 100 orders a day and the second day you end the day with 300 orders backlog, you can divide that by a daily capacity and that will give you your days of backlog. So you've got three days of backlog and you can see how that starts to compound. And that's why a lot of clients, a lot of companies that try to scale revenue really fast because like, marketing's working well. Go ahead, marketing team, just keep scaling. They get hosed on the operations because that backlog grows almost exponentially. And within a week of 33K days, they have to shut down the marketing because we just can't keep up in the back, right? The fulfillment people can't keep up. And remember, this is worse on weekends. If you don't work weekends, now you've got two full days where no shipping at all is going out, right? So when you come in on Monday, you automatically have that 400, order, uh, 400 orders from Saturday and Sunday waiting for you on top of whatever backlog you left with on Friday. So one key tip, make sure Mondays for sure, you always should staff up on Mondays. Just have extra capacity there on Mondays at all times, just in case you don't work weekends. Or you can do what I like to do is just have people come in on the weekends. You know, you can split shifts, have people work from Wednesday to Saturday. That's what we did at Amazon. They're four-day weeks, right? So instead of working an eight-hour day, five days a week, you can have people work four days, 10 hours a day. Four days a week, 10 hours a day. Still get their 40 hours, but now you can have people on the front half of the week and people on the back half of the week, which gives you more flexibility in scheduling. So now you can say front half of the week, we're going to have 20 people on the front half shift and maybe say 10 people on the back half shift, right? And their back half shift's job is just to keep it clean until we get the, the influx on Monday, right? So that's one couple little tips there on the fulfillment side of things, okay? So that's fulfillment. That's how you get ready. That's how you plan and how you have your systems in place. So next one to look at that usually breaks when we hit a seven-figure month is customer service. And again, here we want to know our rates, our capacity, right? How much can we do per hour and per day, right? So if we do 10 tickets per hour when we're low, like we're not in a seven-figure month, we can set that as our rate. 10 tickets per hour in an eight-hour day per person is 80 tickets per day, right? You want to look at historically how many tickets you get per number of orders. You want to match that also to the number of orders because, you know, we want to be able to predict. So to move to where we're planning, we need to know, all right, I know we can do 80 a day. However, how many are we going to be doing with a million dollar month? So look, um, if you get 80 tickets per day and you normally have 200 orders per day, see if that's how many orders you're getting during a seven figure month. If you're getting more orders per day, then, then you can staff up accordingly to make sure you're keeping the tickets under control and not building a backlog. You can set your rate based on revenue also. For example, 100K a month with 1,000 tickets would mean a million dollar month would be 10X more revenue, would be 10X more tickets, right? It's not as predictable though, user revenue sometimes. So I like to use orders or customers to plan for how many tickets I'll get, right? Because it makes sense, right? So the more customers you have, the more potential people reaching out to you. Whereas your revenue may go up and you may not have any more orders because simply the average order value went up. So I usually like to use either customers or orders as my planning metric to help me plan. If I'm going to go from 100,000 a month to a million a month, I'm going to 10x. I don't use revenue necessarily. I look at, I do all the math we did for the customer acquisition side of things. 
and see how many orders that's going to be and how many customers that's going to be. Where when we were at a hundred thousand, then I ten x that. I match my ticket volume to how many orders or customers I was getting at that time at a hundred k, and then I ten x that number. That's how many tickets I'm going to have at ten x based on that. So if I had a thousand orders, multiply that, I'll have ten thousand thousand orders, and that led to five hundred tickets. And I'm going to ten thousand orders, ten xing, then that'll be five thousand tickets. And then you can plan divide that by your rate which in the example we've been using, it was 80 a day. So I would be able to say, divide the tickets I plan by the number of tickets per day we can do. And that will give me the days of capacity that I have, right? And how much can we actually solve it? In this case, you wouldn't, right? That math doesn't hold up. So you would need to staff up and have another person. So 80 tickets per person per day. Uh, in that case, you would need to add in more people to help with the ticket point. All right. So that's customer service. Very similar to fulfillment and how you plan that out planning your backlog, planning your capacity, and planning uh, your amounts and tying that to some revenue order or customer number factor. So you can give you that. And then as you go through the month, just keep track. Like, are we hitting our plan with our actuals? All right. So that's customer service. Lastly, inventory, right? This is the last system you need to really make sure you get dialed in and planned because it will hose you up if you scale fast and try and hit a seven-figure month, right? So the way to do it, again, like before, simply take a look at how many units you sold in a previous month uh, at a certain revenue level, right? Because you don't want to be running out of inventory during your seven-figure month. That always sucks, right? So take a look at a previous month and then increase that by the same factor you plan to increase in revenue. So if revenue is 10x more this month, then you should plan to sell 10x more units, right? Then divide this by 30, to get a daily number, how much more you're going to sell per day. The important thing to remember is this is just if you have one product, right? It's nice and simple. It's nice and easy. You can say we're going to sell 10 times more inventory divided by 30. And here's how many units I need to order in advance to make sure I have an inventory and ready to go. If you have multiple products, there's an additional step you have to take, right? Let's assume you, you actually have to break that 10 times increase by the percentage sold per SKU, right? So a lot of times if we have two products, you don't necessarily sell 50% of each because then the math would be easy. You'd say, hey, we're 10Xing, I'm gonna sell 10 times more. We'll divide that evenly by two and that's how much we'll sell of each one per month and then move that per day, right? That's, that's nice and simple, but usually it's not that easy, right? So usually it's a percentage. One of the SKUs sells better than the other. So you may sell 70% of one, and 30% of the other. So let's assume you have two products and you sold a thousand units of each, or excuse me, a hundred units of each. Yeah, thousand units. One of them sold 700 and the other sold 300. That means 70% of the thousand units sold is attributable to, attributable to the first SKU and 30% is attributable to the second SKU. So if you 10X that to 10,000 units, then you can assume that 7,000 of those units sold will be for the first SKU and 3,000 will be for the second SKU. You would need to do this for all the SKUs if you have more than two, right? Divide the number of units sold by each SKU by the total to get a percentage of units sold for that SKU in that given period. Then for your seven-figure month, when you're planning how many units you'll sell, multiply each SKU's percentage by a million, right? Multiply the percentage sold by one million to get how many units you'll sell, right? Or at least how much your revenue you'll get from each one. Then divide by the price per unit for that SKU, and that'll give you the units, right, of how many you're gonna sell. And once you have that, 
divide that unit quantity per SKU by 30 to get your daily plan or, or however many days are in the month. And then track that each day to see if each SKU sold is as much as you planned for it to sell, right? Compare your actuals to your plan, right? And that's how you can see, sometimes what happens when you do a seven-figure month, before we were doing, you know, 100,000 to 300,000 a month, and we were selling more of, you know, two SKUs, right? And those were selling like crazy. Then we did our plan, we got our percentage breakdown, and we ordered enough to have those two SKUs be the bulk of it. But all of a sudden, as we scale up, suddenly some slower moving product starts to take off and people start buying that. And a lot of times what will happen is you'll see things that we didn't plant, we didn't order enough because we our percentage breakdown was off. So you start running out of that stuff. You want to catch that early, right? Before it gets too late and you run out. So at least that way you can try and uh, action on it. You don't want to get caught surprised because what will happen is if that product is taken off and you're hitting your revenue targets, well, you're underselling to your plant because the two that were supposed to be the best sellers are no longer the best sellers necessarily. So your revenue is coming from something that you hadn't planned for. So if that something stops selling because it ran out and your two that you had planned on selling aren't selling, now your revenue number is going to come down and you're going to miss plan, right? Because your actuals showed you something different. So you would either need to readjust your plan or keep stock or get more stock of that um, stuff that's selling faster than you planned, right? But as you can see, most people go into this blind. They don't even have anywhere in this near this information. It, this is what is required if you really want to really want to make sure you hit that seven-figure month and don't stall. Like we've had so many clients who have come in that I want to hit a seven-figure month and we'll give them the plans, the, but they don't go to this level of detail. And so what happens is even though the marketing will, will run the ads and everything's going great, they're hitting their customer acquisition numbers, the ROAS, the traffic formula looks good, but they have to shut down at 600,000 right? Because they just couldn't keep up operationally, not because they didn't necessarily have it. Uh, it's simply they missed something. They forgot, oh crap, we forgot we needed uh, packaging for that product and the packaging we didn't plan for, for that product. And so we have the product sitting there, but we don't have the boxes that they go in to ship it to the customer. So we had to take it off the site and that was 30% of their revenue, right? And now it's just gone, right? Product sitting there. And that's just a sad situation. Right. So they end up stalling and it's usually these ops things. Right. So with this little checklist, you now have what you need to manage a seven figure month. It actually is not that hard if you've done the prep work in advance because you have these metrics as early warning signs. If you have problems, you can see problems before they become problems. Right. For example, if you're getting less orders in plan, you know that your inventory won't decrease as fast and your customer service team may not have as many tickets as planned and your fulfillment team may not have as many orders as planned, right? It's a domino effect. So you can take these steps to adjust your staffing in these areas because you see it happening, right? On the flip side, right? If you're selling fat product faster than planned, you can see that early too. And you can staff up to handle the growth or slow down your traffic and marketing to not overwhelm the staffing plan of your supply chain, right? I can tell you, this works. I can tell you firsthand, right? I can still remember a night and day difference when we had our first seven-figure month back in 2006 when we didn't do this. It was chaos, right? It felt like we were constantly being surprised every day with some new problem. Customer service blowing up or running out of inventory on a best-selling SKU or an email going out about a specific product that spiked how many units we sold and we ran out of that specific product sooner than planned. It was a mess, right? Because no one had told the marketing team we can't handle the spike in sales. We didn't plan enough for that, right? 
uh, our percentage breakdown showed that we're not going to sell a lot of that, but yet they ran a promotion on it. Un- unbeknownst to us, they were trying to, you know, they were trying to hit a seven-figure month. They were doing the right thing, but we didn't communicate the plan well. And it was a mess. Right? We were running around like chickens with our heads cut off, working sleepless nights, and constantly having to call in friends and family to help us handle the big spike in orders or even customer service tickets, right? It was pure chaos. Now, on the flip side, I remember even more vividly in 2019 when we had a million dollar month and never once had to call overtime or send more helpers, no friends and family coming in to help customer service or fulfillment, right? We even had a $200,000 day on Black Friday and we're spending $2,000 an hour on paid ads, right? That was more we more spend than we had ever spent in a day before that. It was crazy to see the growth. And in previous years, we would have spent the next three weeks backlogged in customer service and fulfillment, trying to handle the orders and tickets that came from that one day, while also trying to process all the new orders that were coming in. It was miserable before. And that's assuming we actually even had the inventory, because we may have just ran out and just not been able to get those orders and inventory because we would have had to take take the website down, right? But in 2019, we had actually made a plan to do that much and staffed up fulfillment to work the weekend of Black Friday and Cyber Monday with an established rate to make sure we never went over a two-day backlog, right? We had also outsourced customer service and given them a forecast for ticket volume so they were staffed accordingly to handle the spike. And we had handled and we had planned our promotions to focus on the easiest to fulfill products that we had already purchased a massive amount of product for, according to our breakdown, so that there was no risk of running out because we knew that was what people wanted to buy and we knew that was what they were going to ship. And so we planned our rate accordingly. So as leaders in the business, instead of running around like chickens with our head heads cut off for those three weeks after Black Friday, we let the team handle it and got to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner and we relaxed the whole weekend and the following holiday weekends, just we got to actually enjoy the holiday, the holiday season. It wasn't miserable. All we had to do every day while we were sitting enjoying turkey and turning on Christmas carols too soon because it's not Christmas time yet. As soon as Thanksgiving's over, I'm turning on those Christmas carols, right? So we were enjoying it. And all we were doing to manage the business, we just kept hitting refresh on our plan to actual spreadsheets and making sure that making sure what was actually happening matched what we planned to happen. And that's really all the work we had to do every day. It was magnificent. And that's what I want for you, to allow you to hit that seven-figure month and it feels effortless, okay? So now that you know what it looks like to hit a seven-figure month, I know what you're asking. How do I do that consistently? What should I be doing as the founder? What do I do, right? First and foremost, you should be focused as the founder on creating your plan to actuals as far out as you can, right? So instead of it just being for one big, huge month, keep that system these systems I've taught you for planning and management systems going, right? Plan it out as far as you can, at least one to three months. The same things with the fulfillment system, planning, plan the actuals, your customer service, plan the actuals, all your marketing plan the actuals, all of it, at least one to three months out. That way you can go from being a reactive firefighting leader to a proactive visionary leader, right? What this means is that if you're not firefighting and dealing with the day-to-day, you have time on your hands every day. That's step one to getting this consistent seven-figure months, right? You have to get away from dealing with current, right? Someone else is managing your actuals. You've built the plan for them. 
So they know what to look for. And you have that person managing the actuals and making sure you're hitting, they're hitting your plan. So you're no longer, no longer in there when they say, oh my gosh, we're out of this. Oh my gosh, we're out of that. You should have seen that coming two, three months ago based on your plan to actual, based on your plan, your planning, you would have seen, uh oh, we're running low on this. Let's go ahead and put the orders in now four, three months from now. And if you can get out to planning a year, that's even better, right? That's your goal. So now when you have that plan and you have someone managing the actuals to make sure your plan is being accomplished, you have time. Second, with that newfound time on your hands, you should put that time into doing things only you as the founder can do. Innovating, right? We're back to where we started in episode one, product market fit. You basically start the company over again, right? You should focus your time creating more solutions to high value problems that your customers face that generate a healthy six to 10x product margin, right? Even though this seems similar to the early days when you were trying to establish and validate product market fit, there's one key difference between now and back then. You already have your own market, right? There's two parts. There was product market fit. Now you have your own market. You have, you know, tens of thousands of people who have paid you for product. So when you're when you were first coming up with your product, you didn't have a market. So you were searching for people to do interview calls with, talking to friends and family to get feedback, and running ads to test the market and get surveys done for your potential solution to validate if it solves a problem. But now you've gotten to a point where you have an audience of people who bought from you, who have joined your email list and who follow you on social media. You don't have to find the market anymore to validate product market fit. You just have to create new products for this existing market. That should feel liberating and really highlight how you can really build momentum once you hit this point, right? A lot of people like to say the hardest part is going from zero to a million, then from one to 10 million, right? Specifically for this reason, or 10 million to 50 million, right? Because you already have momentum, right? You don't have to struggle to find the market or try a million different marketing tactics. Just focus on your existing audience and getting them to buy more often from you by buying different things from you. The faster you can come up with new products that solve high value problems at a healthy product margin, the faster you can grow your revenue. And not just grow your revenue, but also grow your profits too, hidden benefit. Because since you're selling to your existing audience, you have to spend money to acquire those customers. So you don't have the, you don't so you don't have that ad spend going out as much as it used used to be, right? Now instead of when you first started, you ran ads to get people to buy the one or two products you had to start because you didn't have your own market. Now you have your own market. Whatever that ad spend was disappears. You just sell this 10,000 units of this new thing you made to your email list only. There's no ad spend required for that. All right. So you grow your top line revenue and your top and your bottom line profits at the same time. And if you want to grow even faster, you can take some of those profits and push them into getting new customers. If you do decide to go there because you you know that every new customer will have more and more options to buy from you, right? So you may decide, look, I don't want to just launch it to my email list and sell them. I also want the ads team to run ads and find and sell these to new customers. So bring in new customers with this new product. And guess what? I have the old products that I know they'll like too, because that's what build the company. And then we can sell that to these new customers who bought this new product. And now you're cross-selling, right? That's the secret to consistently hitting seven-figure months. You buy your time by putting your systems in place and having your team manage it. And you go back to doing what no one else on the team can do. Otherwise, they'd be starting their own companies, right? It's innovating and creating new products for this market. And 
more and more. And so if you want to go from seven to eight, eight to nine, not, and bigger and bigger, that's what that's how you do it. New products to your existing market, right? It's like uh, it's like they say. There's three ways to make more money, right? You can uh, increase the amount of orders you have coming in, increase the amount you make per order, or sell more to the existing customers, right? This is the key: more to existing customers. That's what we focus on here, and that's what we recommend you do, right? You don't necessarily have to focus on just getting more customers in the door on the front end, which is what a lot of people fall into the trap of. They just pick one of those three ways. They just keep getting more, 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 more customers, more customers, more customers, and selling the same stuff. Flip that on its head. Keep the same amount of customers and just sell more things to them. And added bonus, if the more things you're selling to them are higher dollar, right? That's how you improve your profitability. So I can tell you, switching gears a little bit, this is how we do it. This is what we do in our agency. This is what Alea Systems LLC is all about. It's how we get people going from 30K a month to 300K a month in 90 days, or from 150K a month or so to over a million dollars a month in revenue in 90 days. It's the exact blueprint we use in our e-commerce store to go from 750000 in our first year of business to $5 million in revenue in our second year of business and hitting our first seven-figure month. A lot of people, that's fast, right? But once you have this system and these strategies, it, it just, it almost becomes simple. It's very simple. Definitely not easy, but it's, it's simple. It's very straightforward. And it's what we walk our clients through here to lay a system step-by-step step in this exact order when they sign up with us. First, we fix back-end sales and come up with irresistible offers, promotions, products that solve a high-value problem and have good margins and convert easily on tra cold traffic. Right? We pick out what they may have missed. They may have 30, 40 products we help them zero in on the ones that are really high margin con and convert easily, right? We look at your inventory, not just start running ads, right? Then we look at your supply chain. We fix it for you. We help you identify where the breakdowns are, right? Where things will break. And then we help you outsource where you need, where's the customer service, the fulfillment, all those things. We help you figure that the accounting, bookkeeping, right? Fix you, help you outsource that to increase scalability, right? And here's the key. Sometimes it means added cost and lower quality. They may not ship as fast as you did. The packaging may not be as good as, as yours is. But here's what I like to make sure and make sure people understand. Do you want to be working weekends shipping just because you want better packaging? Do you want to uh, you know, have Thanksgiving weekend to yourself? Well, if that's the case, you need to outsource this stuff, right? So we help them make that transition, right? And then once we've got the irresistible offers, the products that convert well, and we've got a supply chain that can 10x in 90 days, then and only then do we focus on front-end customer acquisition. We punch up the front-end acquisition, get the ads going, get the emails going out, flying out, getting a whole bunch more visibility, and we monitor metrics to see if planned actuals for each department is holding and that the traffic formula metrics are staying above benchmarks, right? Are the paid ads bringing in customers that the right cost per acquisition, return on ad spend, and ROI, right? Is the revenue from email at or above where we expect it to be, right? And once we have those three things in place, the irresistible officer offers, the supply chain is scaling up and we're seeing that it's not breaking and we've got the front end acquisition hitting the numbers that are profitable for the business and we're not, you know, spending 100,000 in ads to make 100,000 in revenue, that's unprofitable. We don't want that. Once we've got those three, th those three things going, then we just keep pushing the front end, 
right? We just keep raising the ad spend budget and we just keep going until something breaks, whether it's the supply chain or the revenue from email or something, and we patch it back up and get back to pushing hard again. It becomes this virtuous cycle where we simply say, hey, we doubled ad spend, which doubled revenue. How are you doing, supply chain team? You're doing good? Okay, let's double it again and let's double it again, right? This is how we can scale folks so fast because we focus on the visibility into the full system and anticipating barriers to growth in advance rather than any particular hacks or tactics or marketing schemes that really just throw this whole system out of balance, right? Or succeeding independently, right? Because problems in another, because that cause problems in another area. Remember the example I gave of, you know, one marketing email sent out, decreased the amount of inventory of one SKU that was, you know, that was selling a lot during the holiday weekend. And all of a sudden we were out of stock of that inventory and we didn't plan for that, which domino effect. Then our revenue started, revenue per day started to go down. Then we didn't have enough revenue coming in to justify the ad spend. So we had to lower ad spend, which lowered visibility and new customers that were buying other stuff. And so the whole month started to suffer and it was just chaotic, right? So we avoid any independent system outpacing the rest, right? We keep a balance and we grow the system concurrently, right? We grow it together, right? It's really a thing of beauty. <laughs> it's nice when you see this thing humming and you know all you have to do is, yeah, I want to double revenue. Okay, double ad spend. It's that simple, right? I love it. So it's the exact process we can put your business through, you know, if you're interested, right? If you're interested in getting help with us. If not, that's okay. There's no pressure. I hope the lessons you've learned from our journey have been valuable uh, to you and that you can apply these lessons and do them yourself. That's our goal is to help. We want this knowledge to be shared far and wide and we want everyone to be able to get out of the mess and the chaos that we had to suffer through, right? Uh, you can do it yourself. Just learn from it and do it. So just know that if you're ever in need of any assistance getting these systems implemented in your business, you can always reach out to us and we'd be happy to help you. All right, so in conclusion, subscribe, rate and review this show on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast hosting platform if you know of any other e-commerce businesses trying to go from six to seven figures a year in revenue share this show with them visit our website www.alayasystems.com and sign up for our newsletter as a thank you for signing up for our newsletter you'll immediately get access to our clavio email marketing resource kit an absolute must if you're selling online to make sure you're getting the most revenue you can from back-end sales and not having to constantly scale through paid acquisition. I'm Emmanuel Leo, and we'll see you next time.